Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci, a podcast about black science fiction, fantasy, and staying on the same page in this wonderful, pleasurable marriage. I'm one of your incredible hosts, Amber Wallen. And I'm Ben. Ben, welcome to the show. Do you know what episode this has been? Episode 17. So this is episode 17, and we sat down and read the book Riot Baby by Tochi Onyebuchi. Ben, <laughs> I'm laughing because we have some feelings about this book, but I want us to be, you know, have an honest conversation about this book because I think we were both a little bit surprised. Why don't you kick it off? Yeah, well, this book is very short and it's recommended by a lot of authors that I love, like Mar- Marlon James and Cory Doctorow. So I had very high expectations going into this book. And it could not have ended soon enough. It was only 173 pages, and it was just a drag. It was so, it was so frustrating because the author, Tochi, shows up on Trevor Noah... Mm-hmm. and gave a talk on Trevor Noah. I also heard him interview Nettie Okorafor, and they had a really great interview talking about being Niger- Nigerian-Americans and using that inside their literature. <laughs> you shouldn't have even told me that, because that also was missing from the book. Well, he's also written young adult novels as well. He's also, he's also young, so he's 33 years old, so this is his third or fourth book. So hopefully he will come into his own, but the book had had some problems. So just for the background, <laughs> yeah. if, we're gonna tell you what the book is about, but we would we you are going to hear us drag this book, and it's gonna be entertaining, and I love it. I'm not gonna drag the book. I'm gonna drag it because I bet someday this author is gonna write a really good book. This book wasn't it. <laughs> that is a drag, Ben. Oh, that's you reading the fuck out of the book. Like, in a, a okay. drag way. So, so That's a re- That was a read. The book starts with the 1992 protests in L.A. after Rodney King. In this day of violence, a little boy is born named Kevin. And just for the background, this book made me think about, especially considering our present moment, what is a riot what is a riot as a protest? What is a peaceful protest? What's peacefully, illegally protesting? And, and what is insurrection? And sedition. What, what is sedition? What is <laughs> an insurrection? What is a peaceful, legal protest? Had me had me thinking a lot about protests. So the, the book does make you think, but there are some problems with it. It's also a, a prison book or a prison narrative. So think of The Night Of... Orange is the New Black, mm-hmm. Oz. Which you're not a, a big fan of. I'm not a fan of Orange is the New Black. I think there's... I love those... watching shows about prison. I even like, you know, reality TV about prison, which is really sad. I, I am a part of the problem. It's... I am a part of the consumers that glorify prisons and want to see more prison stories. Yeah, so <laughs> prison, prison narratives like the Shawshank Redemption. So good. Okay, sure, but they they fall into trauma porn, and trauma porn is basically this idea of using someone's pain as entertainment, and it's really, especially, it's really relevant 
especially when you're addressing huge social events. So thinking of the Holocaust, there's a lot of different Holocaust movies out there. And even like really, really great Holocaust movies, really great Holocaust movies oftentimes are like trauma porn. And if you write about a big social event, which this is about a big social event, it is about a bunch of little social events as a, well. I was like, a big social event or multiple social Multiple events? social events and a bunch of little ones as well. <laughs> and then medium-sized ones. And then medium-sized. And then medium-sized events. I guess I was sort of cornered into this taking place as like a prison narrative. I'll give a summary. So beginning with the 1992 protests, two black siblings, Kevin Ella, with telekinetic and psychotic powers, attempt to navigate an alternate history where supposedly non-biased algorithms, turret guns, surveillance orbs, microchips, and closed little house communities seek to reform the criminal justice system. A lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack, but I was frustrated with this book because they set it up like it was going to be this huge global dystopian world. And this might be just my very limited knowledge of the genre, so I'll charge that to the game. But when I think about dystopian, I think about Hunger Games. I think about The Giver. I think about people wearing like different uniforms in 1984, and there's this brand new landscape of how things work within that dystopia. Obviously, racism would still be within that dystopia. But they hyped this book up, they as in reviews and critics, hyped this book up as like, in this global dystopia where black people are incarcerated and profiled because of the color of their skin, these two characters learn to exist within that global dystopian. It's like, that's that's not a dystopian. That's little, That's just... That's the real motherfucking world. Like, why are we... You didn't have to wrap it in the dystopia because the dystopia... There, there was nothing about the book that felt dystopian to me. 100 to 150 pages in, I learned that characters had microchips in their fingers instead of prison badges or whatever as a, a means to get into this space. But nothing else told me that this was a dystopia. Like, what are some, like, marked features of a dystopia. Usually it's when there is an oppressive group holding down a specific group in a very like intense, horrific way. So thinking, you know, 1930s Germany, when they were starting to create ghettos and starting to take people into concentration camps, but in terms of starting to close down businesses and create ghettos. So thinking 1930s Germany, is definitely a dystopian type of era because dystopian literature or dystopian as a term doesn't necessarily have to be science fiction it could be dystopian now so lots of different people have gone through dystopia this novel is sort of like an alternate history because what it was takes... alternate about it it covered the riots of in la in 92 it covered how OJ got off. It covered racism in Harlem and prison <laughs> and prison conditions at Rikers Island. What was dystopian? Right. What was alternate? My first impression was, oh, it's a dystopian future with a little bit to the right of our world because it ends basically in 2020. I think the book was probably written 2019 mm -hmm. or fit, started in 2018. 
So the dystopian elements, like I said, are you have this non-biased algorithm of or this facial recognition program. So an iPhone. Well, facial recognition program because you have police using it to pick up So the criminals. FBI, Instagram. <laughs> well, yeah, and facial recognition programming has really only come into like intense use within the past year or so. Yeah. But this is sort of choosing all of criminal pickup. So they mentioned this algorithm, almost like a Black Mirror episode. There's also sort of hyper militarization of police. So it's basically everything that's <laughs> happening now. Shocking. It's basically everything happening now just turned up to level 10. So apparently every street corner has a turret gun now, but also every street corner mm, okay. has a police box. But instead of a police box, which we see in Chicago, you can walk around Chicago, mm -hmm. see police boxes. You have these things called surveillance orbs, which I'm assuming are just like floating orbs that are watching you all the time. Big brother type of thing. So I don't think that he is a good writer because it was really hard for me to visualize those things based on the descriptors that he gave. So maybe he just didn't describe them as well or he didn't go back to those visuals. But I, I told you I felt that way after reading the first part of the book and then it switches to the brother's narrative. So just if you're listening at home, we're truly getting into spoiler territory the book starts off not from Kevin's perspective. It's from his older sister, Ella's perspective. And we are met. This is when we thought it was going to be so promising because we meet Ella and she has these powers where she can see a little bit into the future and she'll start getting the nosebleeds. And you said that those were a kind to Black Widow. I, I, who are the X-Men? Phoenix. Phoenix. I was about to say Hollow. She's basically Phoenix. ScarJo. No, that's... ScarJo is one of them. Yeah, she doesn't have superpowers. She's like a Russian spy. Nightcrawler. I don't know the girls. No, Phoenix, I... Phoenix is from X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> no, this is from Game of Thrones. Uh, wow, I, uh, Ar Arya's sister. Arya's sister. You forgot the name? I, wow. Uh, it was a terrible like Sophie movie. Turner or something. Sophie, yeah, so... Uh, so a. yes, Ben, I watched season one and seven. Like, why the fuck do you not know the girl's uh, name? I don't know. Uh, Sancha. Uh... Sansa. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. So Sansa. Sancha. <laughs> but also, uh, I guess Jean Grey is their other name. But basically, Ella has Phoenix powers, which are essentially godlike powers. Great. So it's like she... first thirty pages off the chain. We got a little black girl. In South Central LA, she's got some powers. She, like, her mom's pregnant and she already knows her mom is gonna have a boy. Like, we're doing well. And then they move out of LA, go to Harlem, and Kevin is born, and it, it completely becomes mostly Kevin's story. And it fell into what we call the precious pie effect. I, I call it the precious pie effect, where you put every problem plaguing the black community into a story so we all so the movie <laughs> precious based on the book pushed by sapphire was about this girl this black girl dark-skinned overweight ugly quote she's raped by her father she's abused by her mother she has two kids one has down syndrome 
the one person who loves her is her teacher, but that teacher happens to be a lesbian. So is this, you know, pedophilia? It, it, it just got off the rails. Like every single thing. Oh, she's also illiterate. So let's like, let's take every single issue and throw it in one delicious cocktail. And it's just like, dude, there's too much salt, sugar, spice. It, it did not work. I felt that way about this book. Right. So think about, think right now about almost every issue plaguing the black community from health issues to prison reform. It was just all over the place. It, it, it becomes police almost, brutality. It almost becomes comedic in some, <laughs> in some ways. So I, I had a really hard time understanding some of these characters' motivation. Ella's motivations are become a little bit more clearer, but... As you said, most of it takes place in a prison in Rik in Rikers Island mm -hmm. because very quickly Kev, who is this very intelligent, promising young kid, oh, so promising, who has to code switch back and forth, struggles with between code switching back and forth, where he really just wants to be like a technology nerd. So sort of think of like see you yesterday, right? Like that's sort of in his direction where he's going, and then he gets accused for a crime he doesn't commit. He gets harassed, so they deal a little bit with stop-and-frisk policies. Mm -hmm. So since he's born in 1992, and when he is uh, 19, or uh, 18 in this case, that would be at time during stop-and-frisk policies in New York. And so he, you see him suffer from that, and then he's falsely accused, and then he's sent to prison, and then he... <laughs> I'm sorry. Because he then, didn't take then, a plea. No, no. Because he wanted to, I, I vividly remember, yeah. like, he didn't want to take a plea. So because I, he didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. Right. And then he struggles with suicide. Throw, throw that in the pie. Yeah, and he, Which are all accurate, but it's just, it just felt so derivative. It, it was like, okay, we've heard this pain story before. How are you going to make it different? Oh, you gave these characters psychological powers. That's how this is going to be different. All right. And we're just... We're flipping page for page, waiting for him to like get into somebody. I I ah, I so wanted him to like get into a police officer's mind, like that girl did on Stranger Things. It wasn't Eleven, but it's like Eleven's older sister, or oh, yeah. whoever. I was like waiting for those moments to happen, and they never freaking came. So think about a black person with superpowers in prison who just finished out their prison, who just finished out their eight-year prison sentence. It's like what the fuck. <laughs> Yeah. Where is the magic, the sci-fi, the fantasy? So now we're just watching a bad version of When They See Us. Like, what the hell? Well, Kevin doesn't really know, or Kev, he constantly refers to him as Kev. Kevin, Kev doesn't really know he has powers. So he... Well, you think after an eight-year prison sentence, he would figure something out? How unrealistic is that? Like, you have nothing but time on your hands. That was a perfect setup to work on your powers. No. Maybe. Am I crazy? Do I just not know the genre that well? Yeah, one, you don't know the genre well because sometimes <laughs> people have less, like they have, might have the same power but be less as strong. So, for example, Dr. X and X-Men has very similar powers or psychotic powers with Phoenix or Jean okay. Grey. They have very, very similar powers where they can sort of get into your head and control your mind and astral project, which is what... Dr. X can do. Phoenix can do the same thing, but to dial up to 100. So that's sort of where the mirror things happens. Also, I kept on thinking Phoenix. I was like, am I wrong here? And Tochi is a huge, huge X-Men fan. Like, he loves X-Men. 
So I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm correct on that front. But yeah, maybe he just had didn't have the training and you're... Kevin or Tochi? Kevin. Kevin did. Also, <laughs> Ella doesn't correct. have the training as well, but she still has this like really incredible telekinetic power. Also, uh, the descriptive words of the powers are very unclear. Like very. they refer to it as her thing with yep, a capital Ella has T. A thing. But also he he did it as well where you're not sure if she's astral projecting or if she's actual flying and making herself invisible. But every time he describes her her traveling from one place to another, because as Kevin is in jail, Ella's sort of traveling to places where black people have been killed for the purpose of reflection, essentially. So when they say that, they call it travel with a capital T. Mm. So he writes... I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, so... He does not use his word. Like, stylistically, it was hard to follow because it also jumped from Ella's perspective to Kevin's perspective. I'm just confused about why do they both have to have powers? Why would any... Why does anybody have to have powers then? Like, why do anything? Well, that's like giving a character a cold in a book and that, and that ne- nothing ever happens. It's like characters don't just get sick in books. Like, why give both of them powers and one person uses them and one person can't? And the person that can't is spending time in prison and just, like, in the system. I think he's trying to tap into this idea that as a black person, you can have an immense amount of power, an immense amount of possibility, and still be caught up into the criminal justice system. For sure. Sort of similar like the comic book Black, right? Where black people are the only ones who can have superpowers, but they're not using those superpowers to save the world because they literally need to just survive. So I think he's sort of tapping into that idea as well. But what made Kevin different from, which I totally understand that. I'm super bought into that. But what made Kevin any different from any other prisoner With as we read from page to page? Like, what truly made him different? I think he knows how to work on computers. <laughs> is that a superpower? Uh, maybe. He also is someone who struggles with suicide, which prisoners often struggle with suicide For sure. and he ends up getting a job where he goes and talks to other prisoners about suicide that's one of his jobs where he acts as sort of this therapist which is great that's awesome but why give him powers it just wasn't it wasn't it tochi i'm sorry sir it it was the precious effect also while we're talking about the character ella and kevin i know we're about to get into characters they also had their mom who was a character in the story their mom elaine struggles with some health complications and so that was tochi's attempt to cover how when you're pregnant in the hospital, doctors don't listen to black women, which is totally valid, totally something, but it it shouldn't feel so rushed. Like those are huge problems worth discussing and piecing apart. And it just felt like he was trying to get brownie points for like covering every black issue. And then at one point, Ella, who has powers, goes back in time to discover that her mom had a stillborn baby before her And then that became a talking point, but it was just briefly covered and then they carried on. What was he trying to do there? Show that she was a strong mom that can overcome adversity? 
Like it, it's like you said, you did that to do what? I think so. Also to show again that Ella has these superpowers where she can psychotically get into your mind and see your memories because she does that frequently with different people. Of course. And then Kevin does it as well. He shows up to like a prison lesbian wedding at one point. I missed that because he jumped so quickly between Ella's perspective and Kevin's perspective and where we are on the timeline and, and is this a vision of the future or the past? It was a mess. It was okay, a mess. I and I people praised this book being like, Tochi took it there to issues that we haven't talked about. It's like, yes, we have. Yeah. We have covered these topics before. He just put pain on pain on pain on pain. He, it was an anthology of pain, which would be fine if it was stylized a lot better and it did something new. There was no joy in the book. It's like, how much do you want me to read of, of pain I've already seen and heard? My guy, what are you doing? It got to a point where I was like, oh, he's not writing for a black audience. Yeah, it's so clear. He's trying to educate somebody, but I already know about these things. So it's good. he ain't right for me. So did, did you learn anything new reading the book? I did learn that if you are about to have a prison fight, that wrapping yourself with National Geographic magazines sort of makes good body armor. Like, I learned about do-it-yourself body armor. So, I... DIY. <laughs> There's an author, Mumia Abu-Jamal, who's written a lot about the criminal justice system, but he has been in prison for, like, 30 years mm-hmm. on death row for killing a police, a Philadelphia police officer, which the evidence that I read about his case is entirely inconclusive. And it's absurd that he is still in prison. But it's so clearly reading his work and reading this. Like Tochi was a a civil rights lawyer in New York City. He did it for two years, Mm. was overwhelmed by it. But it seemed that he sort of just took some of these ideas that he experienced yeah. as a lawyer, but not someone who actually lived in the lived prison. It. And it's for me, it was clear as I was reading this, like, oh, like you, you did you not lived it. You had a tangential experience, which someone can write about prison and not have been in prison, right? Because I think as an author, you should do that. Like you that sh- writing for the Yeah, other. yeah, right. You need to do that. But for me, it felt a little bit too much like, I'm going to put this idea of National Geographic body armor in this book as like this little detail to get points. It, it didn't... Yeah. Can you write about prison without having been there? Of or, course, you should. Or I, I, or I think you can What's write about What's the purpose of it? literature then? Well, listen to me, because <laughs> I... <laughs> I think that you can write about it, but you need a more of a accessibility point. Like I could read a book about someone whose brother has been incarcerated their whole life because that way you have the like daily visits with prisoners. Like he had no contact, presumably, with anybody who's actually in the system, and it showed. It felt so. No, he he for sure did. He was a he was a public defender. I'm saying, but I don't think he had. When we're talking about who were his sensitivity readers, I don't think one of his prisoners were. I think we need to be careful about that because we one we don't know that, and we I, don't know that. We it just felt so distant from the prison narratives that we've seen. 
It just did. It, it looked like somebody was looking in a telescope and read like, ooh, how do prisoners shank each other? Okay, it let me did feel like a lot of this book was taken from like the Atlantic articles that yes. you probably read, which is fine. Like, like whatever. It's not fine. Is it fine? I, I, I That is a question that people are going to have to answer way, way better than us. Let's talk a little bit about themes, some positivity in here. Mm. A big part of it was <laughs> the prison industrial complex. And oh my God, he mentions a a thing in here called the, uh, the Angolan Rodeo, oh. which is basically a rodeo in which prisoners partake. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, this sounds real. This doesn't sound made up. And it's not made up. Oh my God, it's so fucked up. So in Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Texas, they've all operated prison rodeos. The Louisiana State Prison uh, at Angola hosts the nation's longest running rodeo. And he writes about that in this. And there's this game called Convict Poker, where four prisoners are seated at a poker table in an arena where Raging Bull is released. And whoever uh, gets up last ends up getting like 500 bucks or something. So prisoners partake in this and they really like the day because one, they get attention and they get to make some money if they go into the rodeo. And also it's a big event. So prisoners get to sell things that they might've made. And you can have like 2000 people show up and it brings a lot of fucking money into the prison. And supposedly this money is used for the prisoners, but prisoners do get hurt and they have died in these rodeos. And the fact that it's a fucking thing is disgusting. It is. That, it is that was horrific. the one part of the book I was like, oh, this is the dystopian part right here. Because this is, I, I remember thinking like, what am I reading right now? I, I could have read a whole book about that because that was something I did not know about at all. And so that, you know... There were some lulls in the book because I was reading things like, we know about this, we know about this, we've we've read about this from writers who are stronger than you. And then when we got to this part, I was like, oh, this is very different. I've never heard about anything like this. That's so wild that that was a real thing. Something that he uses a theme in this is this idea where Ella feels every single painful event that has occurred through watching TV. So the mechanic like the deep Yeah. Reminded me a little bit of Oh, the collection the collective memory yeah, of everything. Mm -hmm. Especially when newscasters are showing these videos of like little girls being slammed to the ground, seeing someone have their knee and and stuck to their neck and die and how Ella feels all of those pain. Mm -hmm. And so they reference uh Sean Bell, Sean Bell and I think it was 2007 in New York, out for his bachelor party. He gets shot like 50 times by undercover uh, police. And this was this was a like an A student or uh, I don't know like what the whole situation was, but the cops get let off and they didn't announce themselves. And there's all this conflicting narrative. They were undercover and Sean Bell is killed. So they reference Sean Bell. They reference uh, Laquan McDonald. They reference the Angolan Rodeo. They reference the McKinney Pool Party, where the, the young, the girl the is... The girl in the yeah. suit is like the only one. Yeah, but, he, to the but in the book, I, I hope this was a typo just for our copy. He refers to it as the McKinley Pool Party incident because you're sort of just bombarded with all these images of black violence 
or of violence done to black people as Ella is traveling. I, I don't really know if she's flying or astral projecting. It might be a little bit of both. Anyway, she goes and sees all these terrible events, but there's not like a reflection on these events and, yeah. and, and not a whole lot of context around the events. For example, the McKinney pool incident, which I had to go back and read a couple things had happened. The black children that were sort of assaulted that day and, you know, attacked that day had been routinely bullied at the public pool and had been made fun of and, and racial profiling at the pool. That was a pattern that was happening. And also when you consider like whites only pool, black pools, like that's a whole reflection in and of itself, but really it's just thrown out there. It's just a very quick... It is. All, all of these issues are, Ben. Like, that's the actual problem with the book. It's quantity versus quality, and it shouldn't have been. I try to read as escapism. I know that a lot of sci-fi is not that, but if I'm reading sci-fi, satire, fantasy, I'm reading to get out of CNN and get onto the pages and just, like, let my brain rest. So it's super frustrating. I wasn't traumatized or anything, but it was just more frustrating to watch <laughs> the riots at the Capitol and then read also black people experience this, this, and this, and this. It's just like, okay, where's my rest? Where's my break from all of this like influx of chaos? He just, <laughs> he just like hit me upside the head with that book, but not in a powerful like Toni Morrison way. It was just like, did you know, fun fact, black people used to be in, in rodeos as prisoners. Da -da 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 -da. Well, that, that ended in 2016, so that's fairly recent. I know, but I'm just saying, do something with that. Don't give me three pages of that. Don't give yeah. me three pages of that. Well, Give me a chapter I, on that. I'm not, me... I'm not really understand what you're saying. Are you saying that writers shouldn't write about these things? I'm saying if you're going to write about something that is a very traumatic, fresh, new information that that is not widely known, don't rush that. Spend some time there. And this whole book was like going to a museum about black history and your tour guide is some teenager who's like, and then in 1985, okay, next exhibit. And then it just felt that way for me. I was like, wait, 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 I want to, oh, and that's all he had to say about it. All right, we're, we're moving on to the next painful piece. The other thing I want to I want to go into is there's a book by Michael Rothberg, and in that book, which is called Traumatic Realism, but in that book, he sort of brings up this idea that when people write about trauma, it, you, you tend to be pornographic in it, or there's a tendency to by be... By default. By default. Okay. And he sort of, he's writing specifically about trauma and related to uh, Judaism or Jewish history. So he, he sort of analyzes Schindler's List. And he says, even despite Schindler's List being this powerful emotional movie, it still falls into this realm of pornographic. You give an Academy Award for this terrible, awful event. It just seems so bizarre yeah, when he, he when he writes about it. And then I also went and... It's to, protest art. Yeah. In a way. Protest art. What do you mean by protest art? It's meant to remind you of these horrors and cause you to act. Maybe Schindler's List, not so much. But when I think about when they see us, people definitely got their asses 
off the couch and try to get these people fired because I think at the you same still think of that falls yeah into that would still yeah. fall into the pornographic I think it's really difficult not to be pornographic I think there's mm-hmm. a tendency to be and also the I don't know how much of the responsibility is on the creator yeah. than on the consumer but also I don't know is there a way to tell a story someone's painful story without it being pornographic that is a great question and that is the question authors need to ask themselves authors need to recognize that when they write about trauma there is a tendency to be pornographic and tochi for sure recognize it he even says that what i'm writing about in this book in the book in this meta moment that this is pornographic it feels pornographic to go and to see all these terrible happenings. So I think he might have thought, since I'm recognizing that, maybe I'm not going to be pornographic, or maybe it's impossible not to be pornographic if you're writing about pain. I did find a definition of trauma porn, where it says trauma porn is media that showcases a group's pain and trauma in excessive amounts for the sake of entertainment. Trauma porn is created not for the sake of the marginalized group, but instead to console or entertain the non-marginalized group. And that's where I think we get into some problem because for you, you were saying that this felt it was a book about black pain uh, and reflection written for white folk. Because I don't think he intentionally did that, but there was a level of code switching that he subconsciously did as he spoke about these issues that didn't feel like he was speaking to me. Right. He mentions the reason that OJ got off was because of the... Tensions Rod- of the, the time. The Rodney King Yeah. Or assault. he tried to over-explain the Rodney King assault. It's like, we know that. We know that. So maybe he was trying to reach a younger audience. Yeah. I don't know. There were, there were just times where I was like, is this YA? Oh, it's not YA. You remember I was, as we read it, I kept saying to you, I said, is this YA? And then you were like, no, it's A. And I was like, oh, it doesn't feel like he's talking to an adult because adults our age typically know about Rodney King. Has Rodney King been forgotten about? Happened in 92. I don't know. He also uses AAVE and he goes with this sort of rocks accent. So Mm -hmm. it reminded me of one of my roommates in college, but I don't, I don't speak that. (laughs) You don't speak African-American vernacular? Yeah. have a problem with that it was uncomfortable listening to him read the book because i don't know i I think he's just not a good actor if i'm being honest which is fine he's also not from the bronx he's not for it yeah it definitely he's definitely not from the area that he was writing about so it it felt character it felt like he was trying to create these like new yorker characters and he would use some of the like new york slang but i bet if i had some of my cousins who live in like south jamaica queens read this they'd be like what we don't talk like that it's like yo it's mad brick outside yo which is things that they say but i don't know it just didn't feel authentic i don't know what the shelf life of this book is but i don't think it's going to be very long it's so bizarre that it's like praised by writers, but when you go to Amazon and read the reviews, other people are like, yeah, something's definitely missing. The, the real audience, the audience score is low, but you know, all of his mentors gave him high marks. Something that I thought was fine is that they mentioned Confederate statues a lot. As... Yeah, it's an issue that plagues the black community, so of course it was in the book. Yeah, they mentioned Confederate statues, but they index to larger social problems of America. And I think this book 
might be Tochi working through the fact that he's given up on working within the criminal justice system because he was part of that system and he was hoping to be the civil rights attorney, which he was. A what? Attorney. Attorney. Attorney, which he was. And at some point, sort of at the end of the book, Ella is able to take Kev away from Watts, which is this community that is this closed community where uh, ex-convicts get to go. They're not able to leave this closed community, but they have their own little house and they're able to work. But when they're working, what they're making is actually RoboCop armor that's given to cops to create more policing. Anyway, Ella helps Kev get out and you find out that both of them really are like gods and they decide to pulverize all the Confederate statues and police stations and destroy all of America and then rebuild it from the ash. And that's the end of the book. And it's done within maybe two pages. <laughs> too rushed he he needed more than a novella if he was gonna do all those things sure i, I think he could have focused on the 1992 thing. riots and yes. sort of creating an alternate history from there because the beginning of the book does does work quite well and it was quite effective and do one story do one big social justice issue well that's all all right, man, why don't you warm up the show? In conclusion, Tochi brilliantly and wonderfully attempts to write about the prison industrial complex, but there's some work that needs to be done. Ain't that the truth. Thank you, baby. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Sci. We got that book off of our chest, so next week we will be watching a movie. We will be watching Terrence Nance's An Oversimplification of Her Beauty, 2013 film. So please, until that time, don't pick up Riot Baby, but do leave us a rating on Apple Music or even donate $5, just $5 to our Patreon. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.